Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29, and then through J.C. Rowell's expository thoughts on Mark. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of the Lord. The parable contained in these verses is short and only recorded in Mark's gospel, but it is one that ought to be deeply interesting to all who have reason to hope that they are true Christians. It sets before us the history of the work of grace in an individual soul. It summons us to examination of our own experience in divine things. There are some expressions in the parable which we must not press too far such as the sleeping and rising of the farmer and the night and day. In this, as in many of our Lord's parables, we must carefully keep in view the main scope and object of the whole story and not lay too much stress on lesser points. In the case before us, the main thing taught is the close resemblance between some familiar operations in the culture of grain and the work of grace in the heart. To this Let us rigidly confine our attention. We are taught, firstly, that, as in the growth of grain, so in the work of grace, there must be a sower. The earth, as we all know, never brings forth grain of itself. It is a mother of weeds, but not of wheat. The hand of man must plow it and scatter the seed, or else there would be no harvest. The heart of a man, in like manner, will never of itself turn to God, repent, believe, and obey. It is utterly barren of grace. It is entirely dead towards God and unable to give itself spiritual life. The Son of Man must break it up by His Spirit and give it new nature. He must scatter over it by the hand of His laboring ministers the good seed of the Word. Let us mark this truth well. Grace in the heart of man is alien. It is a new principle from outside, sent down from heaven and implanted in his soul. Left to himself, no man living would ever seek God. And yet, in communicating grace, God ordinarily works by means. To despise the instrumentality of teachers and preachers is to expect corn where no seed has been sown. We are taught, secondly, that, as in the growth of grain, so in the work of grace, there is much that is beyond man's comprehension and control. The wisest farmer on earth can never explain all that takes place in a grain of wheat where he has sown it. He knows the broad fact that unless he puts it in the soil and covers it up, there will not be an ear of corn in time of harvest. But he cannot command the prosperity of each grain. He cannot explain why some grains come up and others die. He cannot specify the hour or the minute when life shall begin to show itself. He cannot define what that life is. 
These are matters we must leave alone. He sows his seed and leaves the growth to God. God brings the growth. 1 Corinthians 3.7 The workings of grace in the heart, in like manner, are utterly mysterious and unsearchable. We cannot explain why the word produces effects on one person in a congregation and not upon another. We cannot explain why, in some cases, with every possible advantage and in spite of every entreaty, people reject the word and continue dead in trespasses and sins. We cannot explain why, in other cases, with every possible difficulty and with no encouragement, people are born again and become decided Christians. We cannot define the manner in which the Spirit of God conveys life to a soul and the exact process by which a believer receives a new nature. All these are hidden things to us. We see certain results, but we can go no further. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. John 3.8 Let us mark this truth also, for it is deeply instructive. It is humbling, no doubt, to ministers and teachers of others. The highest abilities and most powerful preaching, the most diligent working, cannot command success. God alone can give spiritual life. But it is a truth at the same time which supplies an admirable antidote to over-anxiety and despondency. Our principal work is to sow the seed. That done, we may wait with faith and patience for the result. We may sleep and rise night and day and leave our work with the Lord. He alone can, and if he thinks fit, he will give success. We are taught, thirdly, that, as in the growth of grain, so in the work of grace, life manifests itself gradually. There is a true proverb which says, Nature does nothing at a bound. The ripe ear of wheat does not appear at once, as soon as the seed bursts forward into life. The plant goes through many stages before it arrives at perfection. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. But in all these stages, one great thing is true about it. Even at its weakest, it is a living plant. The work of grace, in like manner, goes on in the heart by degrees. The children of God are not born perfect in faith, or hope, or knowledge, or experience. Their beginning is generally a day of small things. They see in part their own sinfulness, and Christ's fullness, and the beauty of holiness. But for all that, the weakest child in God's family is a true child of God. With all his weakness and infirmity, he is alive. The seed of grace has really come up in his heart, though at present it be only in the blade. He is alive from the dead. And the wise man says, A living dog is better than a dead lion. Ecclesiastes 9.4 Let us mark this truth also for it is full of consolation. Let us not despise grace because it is weak, or think people are not converted because they are not yet as strong in the faith as Paul. Let us remember that grace, like everything else, must have a beginning. The mightiest oak was once an acorn. The strongest man was once a babe. Better a thousand times have grace in the blade than no grace at all.
We are taught, lastly, that, as in the growth of grain, so in the work of grace, there is no harvest until the seed is ripe. No farmer thinks of cutting his wheat when it is green. He waits until the sun and rain and heat and cold have done their appointed work, and the golden ears hang down. Then, and not until then, he puts in the sickle and gathers wheat into his barn. God deals with his work of grace exactly in the same way. He never removes his people from the world until they are ripe and ready. He never takes them away until their work is done. They never die at the wrong time, however mysterious their deaths appear sometimes to man. Josiah and James, the brother of John, were both cut off in the midst of usefulness. Our own King Edward VI was not allowed to reach mature state. But we shall see in the resurrection morning that there was a needs be. All was done well about their deaths, as well as about their births. The great husbandman never cuts his grain until it is ripe. Let us leave the parable with this truth in our minds and take comfort about the death of every believer. Let us rest satisfied that there is no chance, no accident, no mistake about the death of any of God's children. They are all God's field, and God knows best when they are ready for the harvest. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we have just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, Are we humbled by the fact that God is the one who brings the growth? In like manner, does the fact that God brings the growth take away anxiety as if growth is up to me? Second, do we look down on those who are young or weak in the faith, or do we rejoice in the fact that he who began a good work will bring it to completion? And last, Are we prone to say about believers who have passed, why would God take them so early? Do we have God's perspective regarding death that they never die at the wrong time?